Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. You ready for the Word of God? Are you ready for the Word of life for you? I know I am. I'm excited about this because we are moving into part two on Enemy Exposed, and we want the enemy exposed. Amen? We want, oh, three of you do. Okay, the rest of you don't care, huh? Well, you know what? That's fine because that is exactly 68% of all Christians don't believe in the devil. Did you just put yourself in that percentage? Come on now. Um, I, I got this statistic only 24, 24% in the United States now believe the Bible is the actual word of God. Only 24%. Only 43% of born-again Christians still believe the Bible is absolute truth. So that's amazing to me, and it also gives a revealing of something. Now, I'm not frightened by these uh, statistics, only because I know uh, the, the key parable to life and what Jesus said was the most imperable to understand, and that is this. There are four grounds in the heart. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, the stats are this. One out of four are going to be successful. So when I hear things like that, I, I get it. I understand that. Um, it, it's not my responsibility to be moved by that. It's my responsibility to be moved by where am I going to be? What ground am I going to be, right? You're going to choose your ground, and you can't blame me. It's going to be your choice. So I choose to be the, the good ground. And that's the fertile ground. That's the successful ground. And again, it's your choice. That's what I love. I love this too. I could be hard ground one day. I mean, where, the, where a word comes and the devil comes in and takes it away, and I'm going, I don't care. Why? Because I'm not perfect. And there are going to be times when I'm being dumb. There are going to be times when I choose to not listen, or I choose to not pay attention, or I choose to allow the circumstances and situations of life that I've been dealing with all week affect me when I come in here. If I don't make the right choice, everybody say right choice. Now say wrong choice. Exactly. There's two. There's no in between. There's only two. There's the right one and the wrong one. How many would believe that the wrong one usually is isn't the right one. How many would go through life saying, you know what? I sort of want to continue to make wrong choices. No? Interesting. So we're not all pro-wrong, are we? And we don't go into the New Year saying, you know what? My New Year's resolution is to double the wrong choices this year. 2020 sucked. Double sucked 2021. We don't do that, do we? No, because wrong choices produce wrong results, which we don't like. They're not good. They're not fun. They're not anything that we want to write home to mom about. But the right ones, oh, hey. Not only do we want to think about it, but we want to tell other people. So I would tend to think that it would be more God's desire for my life to have right choices happening than wrong since he wants my story out. He wants my story out there. He wants, he wants to use me to share what a wrong choice does, but my goodness, look what a right one does. 
Isn't that true? So what we want to do is, is we want to expose the enemy through a scripture. And these scriptures, believe me, are not the full complete teaching of the enemy. I mean, I could go years just talking about what the Bible teaches concerning the devil and how he operates. And there are different subjects that we're going to touch on this year for sure about the enemy. But what we're doing is we're going to look at one specific uh, scripture that, that is it's, it's filled with nuggets and understandings of the enemy. And that's what I want us to go through life because ultimately when we look at stuff like this, you look at these, the, these percentages and, and, and you look at life and you think, no wonder people are messed up. Because ultimately, they don't even have a, 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 a right picture of truth in truth itself. So in other words, they go through life manipulating truth to what they want, what they believe, what they desire. And that will never produce success. I mean, it could give you short-term you know, ecstasy or a feeling, but it never will produce anything good in your life. And, and I, you know, I know this church. This church is a church that has a past in talking about people's lives. And a lot of you, you know, dabbled in things that are illegal. Right? Wouldn't that be safe to say? Some of you more than others, you know. The point is, is not one of us in here would say, you know what? It was great. And I, I, you know, even after Jesus, I felt like I'm going to continue this because it's so awesome. None of us. But we can all tell the stories of the devastation. We can tell stories of alcohol. We can tell stories of, you know, uh, the, the, the Coke products that we chose to participate in. Different things like that. Right? Listen, don't be turning in you holier than thou group because I know your guys' past. Most of you, you guys are some nasty people out there. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm being real. But you know what? That's a great compliment because look at you now. Look at you now. Look what God has done in your life now. That's what, that's a, don't ever be ashamed of that past in the sense of, you know, it's what it is. You did those things. You acted that way. You chose those choices. But here you are now. That is the testimony of how good God is and, and, and the revelation, the knowledge you have of this awesome God that says, I wipe that stuff away. Let's start clean. Let's start fresh. And you know what I know about my God? Every day is a new day. It's a new day. I'm alive right now. Not yesterday and not tomorrow. Right now. So the choices I make right now are the key. That's why the enemy wants to keep you in your past. Because in your past, you replicate the past. Do you understand? You are who you are by your thoughts right now. If your thoughts are backwards, your life will be backwards, even though you're living today. Isn't that true? So let's move on. Come on now. Let's move on. Listen, it's, it's known around the world. We go into a new year and we go, I want different. Now, this isn't a Christian thing. This is a worldwide event. We don't want to have the same last year. People want that. So let's get the new year moving in the right direction, understanding that we're going to persevere this year. We're going to fight to the finish. 
We're not going to allow a bump in the road, a trip up, a fall down, an out-and-out blatant wrong choice destroy our year. And the reason why I say that is, is because I'm not telling you perseverance is perfectionism. Because it's not. You're going to screw up. But persevering, understanding that lifestyle means is that that isn't the end all. You know, nothing in life is one game, we're done. It's a season. You know, every champion, unless you go the season undefeated, which is, I mean, rare in everything, but you go through life, you're going to lose a game. You're going to lose a battle. But when you win the World Series, when you win the Super Bowl, when you win that end-all championship, that loss, does, it's like, what loss? Who cares? I'm the best. I mean, think about it. I'm the best. But you lost. No, no one's going, oh, wait a minute. You lost two games before. No one does that. No one. Except the ones that beat you, and they lost, and they're going, we beat you, though. We beat you. You ain't holding up no championship. You don't have no trophy. No one wants you to be in a parade. Isn't this true? All right. Enough of the sports analogies, but that's my life. All right. So the first step to overcoming, and this is a psychological proven statement. There isn't any end arounds on this one. The first step to breaking any and all addiction, there's only one point and then you move on to other points. But this is the only one point. In other words, nothing moves the first step. And that is this. The ability to verbally speak out your addiction, your problem. You cannot get help in anything in your life until you first step, I have an addiction. I have a problem. You can't. And that's a proven point. It's a biblical point, too. But the key is, is if you can't do that first one, you're not going to, it doesn't matter who you go and repent to. It doesn't matter who you try to, you know, convince that I don't do things bad anymore. It doesn't work until you can recognize it in yourself. Why am I starting off with this? Because the point is this. The first step for you to win and have victory as a believer is, is you got to believe there's a devil. And when we see this amount of Christians that don't even believe in a real devil, there's no victory for them. That enemy is going to manipulate and move them while they go around going, there's no such thing. And he's just going to use them and own them. Not here. I said, not here. Not here. We're not going to allow the defeated enemy to have victory over our lives. He already lost the battle. This isn't like try over. Let's do it again. It's a new season. No. Jesus done defeat him. He defeated him. It's game over now. Jesus walks in his championship and no one's going to unseat him. Guess what? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Walking in those same footsteps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I had to go that way because it sounded like I was, you know, doing a preaching thing. 
You understand what I'm saying? I don't know why I go Southern. It's just Southern. 35 years plus I've been doing this. For some reason, when I get religious or active, I go Southern on it. Now you might be thinking, well, that's wrong to do that. Listen, half my family's from Arkansas. Don't tell me what's wrong to do. I'm not like from California and acting this way. Half of them talk like that. Let's move on. They might be watching. Let's move on. All right. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Just swipe on over to that Bible verse. Open your Bible. Um, if you don't have any of that, listen to me because I'll read it for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, your enemy, say your enemy. Here we go. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, everybody say the devil, is my enemy. Say it again. Is my enemy. ¿Cómo se dice enemy en español? Enemigo? You mean like migo? En amigo? Wow, that's something. I would never guess that. Wow, en amigo. Okay. That's interesting. I, that's, that's totally, that's enemy, huh? Not just a friend you don't like, that's enemy. En amigo, right? Oh my gosh, how come I don't know that word? All right, en amigo. He's our enemy. Okay. So, the devil. Enemigo, our enemy, is bad. Muy malo. He walks about like, everybody say like, a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings were experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay. I'm going to talk about seven, seven understandings to overcome our enemy. Okay? Seven understandings to overcoming our enemy. Number one, 1 Peter 5.8, be sober. Be sober. Put the Bud Light down. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Be sober. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to take a look at the Greek words in this, only because the Greek language gives you such a clear picture of what the teaching is about. English is so limited in its ability to paint a picture or to show a deep instruction in a, you know, in, in a sentence. But the Greek language, my gosh, it really reveals some interesting truths. Actually, some important ones because, again, the Bible uh, translated was translated by religious people. Religious people, not sometimes, all the time are motivated by their religious beliefs, their doctrines. So ultimately, because they're people, they're, they're human beings, they're going to slant towards a word definition to what they believe. And it's shown time and time again through Scripture in English language, even Spanish or Russian. It doesn't matter how that word was moved to a weaker state because of a religious concept 
in how they translate it. And then when you get to the Greek language, you're like going, man, that is not the clearest picture you could have. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to see the translation in English and they're all wrong. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is it's very good to understand the Greek and the Hebrew, to help in the instruction of the Word of God. So I don't do this to try to prop me up like I'm some awesome person. I do this so we can all understand it because I'm telling you right now, I'll look at different words and, and, and specifically different roots of the word because I like to see a foundation of how, it brought, how the beginning started. And I'm telling you, just this morning, I was impacted by something specifically that I never saw before. So this, this has helped me tremendously. So let's move on into number one, be sober. Be sober is the Greek word nepho. Now what this means is it's to be free from influence of intoxication, all right? In that position, you have no self-control. You're stupid. This is what this Greek word means. Irrational, ignorant, and your actions are foolish. So what this language is stating is, is instead of it looking like be sober in a limited picture, it's saying you're in a position where you really don't have a control in your life at all. And like I said, this, this church has quite a few people that understand that. And I'm not talking about this week, right? You're not helping me at all, church. Right now, there should have been a large amen, and the people out there going, okay, they're cool. But right now, they're probably going, geez, are they going to have to have, you know, breathalyzers on the way out of church, or what's going on? Come on, guys. Let's shake it off. Let's start over. So what it's saying is, and this is so important because why is God in his word telling us about the enemy and saying, number one, be sober. I, I'm just asking this question because if we don't pay attention to the word and we do the religious concept of let's read our Bible in a year and we feel so special, let's make sure we read the scriptures so we get God off our back. Let's read the scripture so we can tell someone I read my Bible today. It's all that's foolish, okay? Now, if you want to read the Bible, that's, that's on, you, you read the Bible in a year. I, that's fine, whatever. And I'm not saying that's foolish. I'm saying if you connect that to your spiritualism or maturity or the ability to overcome your, in your life, you're lost because that ain't going to help you at all, at all. It's just a brownie point for you to say, I read my Bible in the year. That's it. It ain't gonna do anything else for you at all. I'm telling you right now, nothing. Until that word, that seed is planted into your heart, your ground, you won't produce anything. So you can sit there and read, look at my corn, look at my watermelon, look at my asparagus, look at my broccoli, and you just look at all the packages over a year. Look at the lettuce, look at the tomato, look at the tomato, look at the watermelon, look at the cantaloupe. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing, reading the Bible. And until the seed, that is a good, see, I didn't come up with that. That is so good, and that shows how dumb I am, because that's awesome. Do you guys not, do you not think that was an awesome analogy? That's the first time I ever said it like that. That proves 
that God is in control right now. So you look at that and you sit there and go, that ain't going to do anything. I got to take that. If I want some corn, I might be reading, you know, Leviticus, but that's watermelon. I ain't going to get no corn. So I got to do what? I got to get corn seed to receive what? A harvest of corn. I've got to get that seed. Now, what do I have to do with it? Well, I certainly can't hold it and go, oh, I got corn. I got corn. Woohoo! look at the seed. They ain't going to do anything. It ain't going to do anything at all. It's got to be planted. Until you plant, you won't have an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Because you all know planting it doesn't mean you're going to get something. Because you're going to have to start doing something with that seed. You're going to have to make sure it's getting water, sun. Make sure the bugs stay off the seed, off the, off the, off the plant. You've got to make sure that um, the weeds don't crop up around it and, and choke it out. Are you guys listening? Well, that's a natural picture and a complete 100% spiritual truth that we all have to understand. If you can't understand that, you're not going to understand the Bible. So that's a key, right? Everybody got that? It's a key. Say it's a key. All right. Listen, I can stop right there. You want, you want things in your life to be different? You got to get different seed information in your heart. You got to get that information in there. It won't grow. You're not going to get the production. What is the production? What we want. I don't plant an orange tree or grapefruit tree in my yard to go, look, I got an orange tree and a grapefruit tree. Woohoo! I could care less about them. I want the fruit. And that's what we want to receive from having that tree or those trees. We want the fruit. Man, our orange tree this year, man, it took care of us. Last year, it was a punk. I don't know what happened, but it was nasty. The fruit was messed up. I'm telling you, it was the weirdest thing. But this year, it said, I'm going to treat you good. And I'm telling you, hundreds and hundreds of oranges gave us juice for over a, a month. Just so sweet and good. And I just, good orange tree. And I'm going to let him know how happy I am for what he did for us this year. And now our grapefruits, they're popping out. Now, the grapefruits haven't been in rebellion. They, 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 every year, they take care of business. Those grapefruits are all right. All right. But the point is, is what's the purpose of those trees? I want to receive something from them. Why are you reading the Bible? So you can read it. Why are you reading the scripture? So I can read it. It's good to read it. No, it's good to read to receive. I hate to say it, but that's what Jesus said. Until you can hear and do, you don't really love me. So why don't we just connect with stuff, right? And start moving in this direction. It's a journey of life. And it's a good one. It's not a start first grade and next week you better be in high school. That's not the Bible teaches. That's what religion teaches. That's what judgmental Christians teach. Well, we have to understand this is about life. So he says, be sober. Don't be manipulated by what? Thoughts or information that brings intoxication. 
that gets our lives in a place of confusion. Don't get in a place where you're going through life like, what, what, what'd you say? What, what, what's going on? I don't, I don't get it. Why, why is this? What's happening? And how come this took place? And why would God allow this? Dude, you're drunk. Or do that. I'm telling you right now. Like over the past few years, all these, quote, godly worship leaders now denying, I don't believe in God anymore. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's a joke to me because I don't get really like, oh my gosh, the Christian faith is just, no, I look at the skinny jeans and say, dude, you didn't have any truth in the first place. Why? Because I can hear what you're saying and you hear what they really believed. And what you hear is, is they start saying things that show you they never had a relationship. They never had a foundational truth of scripture. They had a religious grasp of information and they tried to build it through worship. You know, let me, let me clear the air. Just because you can sing and go, hallelujah, doesn't make you holy. The devil could sing and do that. Don't be fooled, people. Singers and all that stuff, just because they can do that, it doesn't make them like they're so spiritual. You might be singing a song that's impacting you that they wrote or they sang. And yeah, it's going to, it's going to influence you because that's what music does. And by the way, how did a third of angels follow the devil? That, my, my question is that. Because it couldn't have been all his good looks. There had to be something that influenced them where they thought, Ooh, every time he sings, I get moved and chill bumps. It must be the Holy Spirit. Oh, I've heard that crap. I mean, stuff. The Holy Spirit doesn't move by emotions. Never. I can tell you right now, you bring some beautiful music with words that are awesome, it's going to motivate me. But you take those same words and put a really country song, I ain't going to get moved with the same words. What happened? I don't like that sound. Don't like the sound. But if you move toward the sound I like, with those words, I'm going to be what? Moved. Change the way it sounds. All of a sudden, what happens? There's no anointing in this song. It's the same words. That proves a point. Gotcha. All right. So here, Peter gives us, and 1 Peter 1.13, it helps us a lot. Y'all okay? You didn't get offended by that, did you? Okay. I, you sing great. Let's put it that You sing great. Let's move on. 1 Peter 1.13. And believe me, I'm not talking about our worship team. They're awesome. They're anointed. They're great. One person believes that. Now, I, I'm going to only put up that for a little while, and then I'm going to start pointing fingers, all right? So y'all get, better get one. When, when we got to be encouragers, builders, right? So when we talk good things, our, our worship team's awesome. There should have been applause. There we go. Gosh, there was some of them heard, I'm going to quit. No, these ones aren't quitters. I'll tell you that right now. 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Look what the Bible's saying. Therefore, what? Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that has brought you to 
at the revelation, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. As obedient children. Notice said not obedient adults. Why? Because obedient adults are obedient mainly if you line up to what they want. That's usually an obedient adult. Obedient children are different. They're obeying because they have to. As obedient children, you guys with me? Not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. I love the way the Bible speaks. It, it just comes out true, clean. Never in a way where it is condemning or trying to make you guilty. He's just bringing truth right out in front of you so you can get help. Not trying to hide it, not trying to water it down. No, he's bringing the truth to help us. Guilt and condemnation comes from our training in this world. I didn't know I'm a loser. Oh, our marriage sucks. I'll come. Well, how many marriage courses, how many degrees you have in a successful marriage before you said, I do? And every marriage would go, not us. Then why the heck do you think you should have a great marriage? What, what, require, what are the, all the different proofs of why you should? All I'm saying is, is, hey, you want an expectation, but you're going to have to work for that. I think the greatest, I, I heard this from John Maxwell a hundred years ago, almost. And I'm telling you, the, the, he said the three most important points for a successful marriage, the three and this guy knows what he's talking about. He's got so much fruit of success in his life. And he said, number one, work. You're going to have to work. I'm going, gosh, that's awesome. All right. And he goes through this whole process. He goes, number two, here comes a new one, work. What? He goes, a third key for a successful marriage, work. Three points, one meaning. You want to have a great marriage? You want to have great relationships? You want to have things that are better? You're going to work for them. You're going to have to work for them. You, don't, you can't go into something and say, it's an automatic. Oh, I have a kid. Oh, because I produced a kid, I'll be a perfect parent. The heck you will. You will not. A parent doesn't qualify. I mean, having a child doesn't qualify you as it's going to be all perfect now. It doesn't work that way. Now you're going to have to do what? Work. 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 Because I can tell you what every parent says. I don't want my child to be like, and you got the ABCs, the one, two, threes, you got, and your parents' names are listed in all those things most of the time. And I don't want them to have what I didn't have. And I don't want them to ever be, and I don't want them to do, I don't know what, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. And you just became parent two days ago. Now, how are you going to accomplish all the ones I don't want? Well, I can tell you how it won't happen if you don't change how you think. Because if you don't change how you think, because your thinking process is from your previous life, your foundation of how you are trained, you will train that child exactly how you are trained. And I don't care if you don't want it or like it. 
Exactly. You are going to operate mostly in subconscious action, and you have to be conscious if you want change in a child's life. People ask me, how do, you, how do you do with your kids? I had to consciously make decisions, consciously say, I can't just react. I can't just do things this way. I had to stop myself. Don't just react. Process. God, how, what? I did this over and over, all the time. I thought about what we were touched, what, what Sasha was saying about giving and selfishness. And I thought about this and I thought, my kids... We're the same as every kid. Mine. Didn't want to share. And so I realized I'm going to have to teach them. I'm going to have to show them. And I'm also going to have to be stern in their instructions so they understand the importance of it. Not just blow it off, but pay attention to this. And it has taken a process of time. All right? That's what I chose to do. I consciously made that decision. Because I didn't want them to be in a position in life where I believe is where most Christians fail. And that is the inability to not give. Because we all want. But wants, can't be t- wants cannot be fulfilled until you can give. That's, that's natural principle and comes from a spiritual truth. So I can tell you right now what my kids have the ability to do. And I'm just in awe. I'm, I'm in awe of them. Because they are the biggest givers and they can give away anything and everything that belongs to them, even the best things that they have. They have, there's no, there's no like strings attached. And we don't have to demand it. If we say, this would be good, would you like to do this? They'll pull all their toys. You know what it takes? This is freaky. It, I'll go in there and go, are you sure you want to give that one? I, it's like I'm the one that have to put boundaries. They're like going crazy, like, we'll give everything. And they don't have a room left. Everything's good, you know. We'll give everything. They don't have a bed. And they're like going, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I can become the selfish one. No, you can't give away that one. And then there's a part where, like Matthew, he just gave away all his toys, pretty much. And mom's like going, yeah. And I walk in there going, what, you can't give rid of all that? They haven't played with them. But my heart is, is no, I don't care if you're 14. <laughs> and I don't care if that, that, that toy that we bought you says from three-year-old to nine-year-old. I don't care. That's a toy. We should be playing with these toys. Not giving, not just getting rid of them. I'm just being real. I'm preaching a message of how awesome it is. And now I'm sitting there going up and saying, going, stop them. Don't let them do it. That's the struggles. Struggles of being a papa. But you know what? It's just something I'm so proud of them. They're hard to give. Finances, tithing, that's nothing for them. You know, I started very little age. I put money in my office and I, and I taught them, get the money. They get the money, they, a dollar. Before, it started with a quarter. They'd get the little quarter, they'd hand it to me, I'd put them in their pocket. My kids at their age right now still do that. If they're not making a check, which they're not, but if, if they get paid for something, they will take care of their tithe. But they still come in for their dollars. 
and hand it to me, and I stick it in their pocket. Is that precious? Is it precious? I just think it's beautiful because they've been doing it since that's all they know. So when it comes to giving, they're not going, eh, I don't want to tithe. They don't do that. Why? They've been trained. Parents, I know this isn't the message, but train a child in the way they should go. And I'm sorry, once they hit four or five, you just, you're, it's already done. And I know that freaks you out, but that's not a Christian statement. That's a, psych, that's a psychiatrist, psychology statement and a God statement. You got to do it early because if you don't, you can't, you don't. It, it's just simpler to take care of it early. All right, anyway, moving right along. So he says, gird up the, the loose ends that are dangling. What does that mean? All right, so this language right here is when it talks about the gird up the loins of your mind, it was a part where they would run uh, races back in the Greek Olympian days, and they didn't have pants or shorts or anything like that. They had diaper-looking things, right? So they would, tie, they would have their cloth, you know, their, their skirts, whatever. And what they do is they tie them up and then run. But if they didn't tie up those loose ends in a race, they would trip. They would fall. It would be something that would cause them to not be able to win, not be able to run the race correctly. So what God is saying in that analogy is saying, listen, your mind's the same way. Y'all know this. You know you can go off and get into some wacko land. Everybody and anybody can. Everybody and anybody. I don't care if you got pastor, reverend, bishop, apostle in front of your name. Everybody and anybody can let their mind go freaky. And if you want to be successful, you're going to have to bring in those wacko thoughts. Because I'm going to tell you right now. If you entertain a wacko thought, it takes you into wacko land. And wacko land always ends up having wacko actions tied to emotions. You got to pull those things in. You guys with me? Pull them in. Amen. So it says, pull up, pull those dangling things, bring them in. And then it says, be sober. All right. Be in control. Be in control. And put your hope in the grace that is brought to you through the revelation of Jesus. The grace that is brought to you in the knowledge of Jesus. Pay attention to the life of Christ. And you can get great information on his grace. Which, by the way, is what took over the law of Moses. The new covenant. And that is the covenant what Jesus gave us. And that totally eliminated that works legalistic view, which is beautiful because this new covenant is so awesome. So awesome. So Peter's saying, listen, this is what you need to do to be able to have victory over the enemy. Make sure you understand that. Okay. Be obedient, have the attitude to hear and obey. And that's what a child does. They, they listen with this this human nature to receive instruction. Now, what influences a child's ability to learn? Home life influences. 
And the older they get, the greater the influence will start impacting them. Why? Because every child is a sponge, a sponge for information. And our responsibility is to make sure, and y'all don't, please don't start getting guilty and feeling bad because, you know, that's not what happened for your kids and they're older now and they're screwing up. Hey, you didn't know. You don't have the information. You don't have the knowledge. So don't own, don't take ownership of that. I know it feels bad. I know it's tough. I've dealt with a lot of parents, a lot of dads, a lot of moms that go through this problem, especially when you come into the faith later on and you're looking at this and you're hearing this information and you're going, oh, it's my fault. No, it isn't. The information you didn't have, how are you going to act on something you didn't know? It's one of the, I believe, a statement or an understanding I got early on in my my place as being a spiritual dad, a pastor, and, and people that are having issues in their marriage. And the first thing I say is, why do you think you believe it should be perfect? What, we, what, what do you have that dictates that that's the way it should be? And I've never had a couple say, oh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, none. They look at themselves and go, geez, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. I just want it. I know exactly. We want it, but you're trying to act like you should have it without information to get it. That, that doesn't work. So what you have to do is you have to look at the life of mess and say, well, then I'm going to have to start getting new information. And that's where the victory begins. Amen? All right. Just so you understand that. Because everything in the kingdom, everything in this, this, this life... It's, it's, it's learning, constant learning. I mean, there's things I learn all the time. New information I get where I'm going, wow, I didn't see that before. That helps. It's a constant. And one thing that really opened up my understanding of this is when I really was starting to see the picture of Paul's life. And looking at this guy that had so much information, so much knowledge of this new creation, this new life. And he's still saying, I haven't arrived. I don't really, I I haven't got all this information. I need to keep pressing. I need to keep learning. And you're listening to all the information as even to the point where the other disciples were going, we don't even get him. He has so much knowledge. We're like going, I don't even get it. It's too deep for us. The ones that walked with Jesus and heard his teachings. And they're like going, he speaks. It's tough to understand. And then here he is saying, I need to keep learning. And you're like going, whoa. And I'm telling you, I, that thing came alive in me years and years ago. And I never forget it. And it keeps me on track. I might say some awesome stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't arrived. And I'm going to continue to press. And I'm going to continue to press. And I'm going to continue to learn. And I'm not going to stop. Not until we're in heaven. And then who knows? Maybe we have to continue. I don't know. All I know is my responsibility right now. I'm going to keep pressing. Amen? We're going to fight to the finish? Come on now. Fight to the finish. So we have to understand it's so important to make sure that we get the attitude of, I've got to get truth in my life. And truth is only going to be received with a mind that's sober, a mind that has clear 
picture, clear understanding. I'm not manipulated by what? Intoxication. What does that mean? Is he talking about drinking? No. He's talking about what thoughts are intoxicating you away from truth. You can, you can make a list of things or even people in your life that can bring intoxicating thoughts that can get you drunk. Am I telling truth? Am I telling truth? You know you're fine talking to this person and that person and this person, and then when Aunt Bertha calls, all of a sudden you go into gossip land. You spend an hour just speaking trash about everybody, and you get off the phone, you're like going, oh, I feel so dirty. Well, why didn't it happen with the other people? Are you hearing me? Stay away from Aunt Bertha. And if you have an Aunt Bertha, stay away. No, I'm just kidding. And I don't know if someone will or out there. I'm, listen, you got an Aunt Bertha. She might be a godly woman. I've just used her name. It popped up. Blame God or blame the devil. Either way. All I'm saying. All right. Remember, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a love, power, sound mind. Sound mind is a Greek word for a disciplined, a well-disciplined mind. I, these are the scriptures that I just hold on so tight. And the reason why is because I, could, I, can, I can argue the point that I'm not disciplined. I can prove with facts that I'm not disciplined. But God wants me to understand that, wait a minute, I gave you a disciplined mind. Those are the keys of transformation. See, when God says he's given you something, that means you have it. It's our responsibility to operate in it. Are you hearing? It's our, not find it, we already have it. It's not lost. It's our responsibility to operate in it. You operate in what he's already given you. That's awesome. That's awesome teaching. All right. Okay. The second point is be vigilant. Gregorio. Gregorio. That's the Greek word. Now, this word is very interesting because it means to be fully awake from sleep. You ever taken a nap too long? All right. You, I can do like a 20-minute nap and wake up and go, ah, oh, I feel good. If I get by an hour, it's like I'm, I'm drunk. Like, Gosh, what, what is it Sunday? It's Monday. Because you went past that time where you go deep sleep and then you wake up. Y'all know what I'm feeling. Doesn't it feel yucky? You're like, oh gosh. Or maybe you, you know, snooze button, snooze button, snooze button, snooze button. And then you slept another three hours. You're late for work and you wake up and you're like going, I don't feel good. Did I just call out someone's name? So this is what it's saying. It's saying, be vigilant. This is actually a military term, which is very interesting because when, when you look at the words in this information, it's telling us specifics that we have to be. Okay, be sober, be vigilant. So being vigilant isn't something where you're just aware or awake. It means that we have to carry an attitude behind that vigilance. All right, so if I said... Uh, Hey, I'm going to be gone for an hour. Can you just, you know, you know, watch my dog 
and you know, make sure nothing happens while I'm gone. And you're going to just take a peek and check once in a while, right? But if I say, I need you to watch my dog, I'm going to be gone for a week. Isn't that vigilance going to be different? Because you're going to have to do some feeding. You're going to you're gonna have to do more things to take care of what you said you would do for me. Isn't that correct? So the, the responsibility means that it takes me up a different level of my awareness. And so what this is stating is exactly that. It's saying that we need to have this alertness, being watchful, understanding that there's, there's, going, there's consequences if I don't. Not good ones, bad ones. Anytime it's using, and Paul wrote in a lot of terms that were military terminology. And what's so important to understand about that is, is if you understand the Roman Empire at that point, doing something wrong just didn't mean you were in trouble. Doing something wrong meant you, your wife, your kids, and your nana and papa. In other words, they had such a hold on, his, on their soldiers that when they told you, do this now, that soldier was recognizing that if I don't, my wife could be hurt. My kids could be hurt. So all of a sudden, you have a different level of, I'll obey. Do you understand that? Everybody got that? I don't care if you think it's fair or not. That was back then. That's not right. They shouldn't be that mean. It don't matter. This is what they're dealing with. This is how they were. So when the Bible says this is how we need to be, it's not talking about, ah, you know, keep one eye open. It's saying, listen, follower of Jesus, you want to have some victory? You want to have some success? You better get military on this stuff. You better get aggressive. You, the devil ain't going to play fair. The world don't play fair. Politics don't play fair. I'm telling you, they all think about what they want, not what we need, what we want. It's all what empowers them, what they get out of it. Life is about us understanding our understanding of life. And that is it. It's my responsibility, my choices, my ability to do the right thing. But I'm not going to be manipulated or motivated by people that don't have a clue about my new life. I just ain't going to do it. I'm not going to let CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, none of them are going to control my life. Not giving them power over my life. I'm in control of my life. Therefore, it's up to me to understand the importance of my decisions. And it doesn't matter if you like them or not. I need to do what's right here. That's the key. Why would I concern myself about your feeling or thoughts about how I'm doing it? Unless you're a close friend that cares about me and I'm going off, then that's important. But I'm talking about my ability to follow this word. You tithe? Why are you tithe? I think your money. Well, Walmart wants your money. Why you give to Walmart? Go into Walmart and get you what you want. Walk out, see what happens. All they want is your money. And you still go there. Why are you going to Walmart? All they want is your money. Does that make sense? What the, the stinking Walmart? How dare them? Doesn't that, there's no common sense in those comments. It's just someone that's like, ah, the poo-poo coming out of their mouth. 
Moving right along. Hey, I was there before in my life, so whatever. When you don't know, you speak dumb, okay? Isn't that true? That's why it's best not to speak a lot. If you don't know, zip it. Zip it. Be vigilant. God wants us to be fully aware, ready for an enemy attack. He's going to attack. If you're doing good, he's going to attack, all right? We can't be just going through life, existing. We got to live life, amen? Live life large. Y'all getting this? Yeah. All right. Matthew 24, 23 says this. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched Gregorio. He would have been vigilant. He would have been up and, and paying attention. And he would not allow his house to be broken into. This is so important because this same word is telling us that when you are living life with a vigilant mindset, you're going to be ready for the attack of the enemy trying to destroy your house, just trying to destroy your life, trying to affect your life. But see, we're going through life with vigilance. We're going through life with alertness. We're going, we're getting up and going, hey, I'm going to live life. I'm going to live life large. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. This journey's great. We're going to have a good time, but I'm not going to sleep in it. Why? Because nothing out there is out for my best benefit. Nothing out there. Excuse me. Nothing. God is. That's one secure statement I can make. God is. God is. I could say my wife, but that wouldn't be a true statement all the time. She couldn't, it wouldn't be mine either. Why? Because we're, we're people. I mean, one day we can go, go for it. The sky's the limit. Then it's like going, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But God's not that way. You need to understand that and understand that quickly. Otherwise, you're putting this false picture in your spouse or kids or whatever that they can't fulfill. Anyway, that was good. And that was a side note. And it almost today sounds like a marriage conference. But anyway, y'all need to know it. So do I. So we can't allow our lives to be broken into. Jesus said, be vigilant. Be vigilant and it won't happen. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Now, this is Paul talking about all the enemies that are out there. This is pretty cool. He says, watch, Gregorio. Okay, watch, be vigilant, high alert, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Look at all those terms he's using in communication about religious enemies, spiritual enemies, the attacks. And the first thing he says, he says, be vigilant. You guys, this life is a life you need to get up and go, okay, I'm ready for it, but I'm also aware. I'm going, to pay, I'm going to hear differently. I'm going to pay attention in life. Listen, this isn't a life that's full of bondages or a life that's full of, oh, I'm fear, I'm scared. This has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with something that, a, a, a life of wisdom. A life that's going, yeah, I, I'm out there and I'm living this life, but I'm going to operate in wisdom and understand that I, I need to just be aware, listen carefully. Pay attention. 
And just don't float in life. Every day matters. Amen? Every day matters. Are you guys getting this? All right. So we're dealing with enemies. We've got to be vigilant all the time. High alert. Not sleepy, not drowsy, not intoxicated in life. And y'all know those things happen by what you're listening to. Things you're listening to. What you're putting in. Just like what you put in. You put that, you know, that whatever it is that's, that's influencing the way you think, it's going to affect you. And the word of God saying, same as words. You can get words that, that move you toward an old way of life. You can listen to music that can lead you toward an old way of life. Hello? Isn't this true? You can get around people. Remember I tell a story about that time where my life went from Jesus, Jesus, he's the man. Let's give Jesus a great big hand. That was a cheerleader thing. Anyway, I'll never forget that. To, to where my friend moved back into town. He's been a gone. I received Jesus. He moves back into town. All of a sudden, I'm connecting with him. And from that point of connection with him, I do something as a younger Christian brings condemnation and guilt in my life where I'm now stuck because I don't have maturity. I think God's mad. I think God hates me. I think God's ready to kick me out if he hasn't kicked me out already. So I'm in a position where I'm, I'm condemned. And so every time he said, hey, let's go out, I would follow that because I'm thinking I, I can't get back in there. That's, that's a bad place to be. But see, those words were intoxicating. And it took me to a life, not only was it like a past life, but it was worse than the past. I was doing things I didn't do before I received Jesus. That is crazy. Here I am at a place where I received Jesus and I fell back by a bad choice or choices to now I'm doing stuff I would never thought of before Jesus. Is that crazy? That's crazy. I would never think to do some of the stuff I did. Never. But I was doing them. And I'm not talking about this. This is, you know, months and months and years. This was just a short point in life. It's probably about a month long. And that's it. It was ugly. Ugly. Scary. And the enemy totally feared me into not making a decision to get out of it. So I totally started running from the voices that would get me sober. The people that I led to Jesus, those small child voices, I wouldn't listen to. My parents that I led to Jesus, I wouldn't listen to. My closest friends in the faith that helped me go on this new journey, I wouldn't listen to to get sober again. Why? Because I was condemned. I was in fear. I didn't know how to overcome or I didn't even understand the process of talking this stuff out because I'm, I'm in a baby Christian state. I don't know. I'm just scared. But also I'm consumed about this other intoxicating voice. It was, it's so weird even the, to process that whole timeline but it's an important one. It's my story. But the key is, is ultimately a voice was able to come in supernaturally. 
That's what's interesting. How come that voice? And I can tell you why. The power of other voices in prayer gave the ability to bring this amazing power into my living room that opened the door to a miracle word. That's all I can tell you what happened. Because it wasn't, I was getting ready to go and party. I was getting ready to go out. I was getting set, getting ready. And so I'm sitting there. I got like an hour to just to mess around in. I'm waiting. And I turn on the TV. And I just start flicking channels. You, you don't have purpose. You're just wasting time. Flicking channels. And all of a sudden, 21, the Christian TBN station. Click on that in the power. I'm telling you, because of all these people I've been running from, hiding from, not answering calls, not answering the door when they're knocking, when my mom's knocking on the door. I'm telling you, it was, it was crazy. One night I snuck out through the window because I thought someone was waiting for me at the door of my apartment. I did. And all of a sudden, Something happened to where I paused. This is what's crazy. The moment I paused, Jan Crouch, who's in heaven right now, if you know her, you know she's a little crazy lady. <laughs> Pammy got nothing on Jan Crouch's hair <laughs> or makeup. I'm telling you, if, you know, you want to talk about someone that cakes it on, this is beyond caking. This is like double frosting. She'd have, I mean, this is her, but I know for a fact she's been used by God thousands of times. But the moment I clicked and paused, she went, Paul, Paul, hold it. I got to say something. There's a young man out there. I'm telling you, this was, this was crazy. Click, click, click. Paul, Paul, wait, hold it. I got to talk. I got to say something. I'm like going, what? You, you're about to go out again. And the Lord is telling me to tell you that this, this is a one-way one this time. There's a trap that the enemy has for you that is going to take you out. I'm like, what? She goes, right now, you need to, you need to get on your knees. You need to right now get before, you need to right now talk to the Lord and right now you take care of this issue because this is the last time. This, your, your warning is right now. You need to repent. You need to get before God right now. Deal with it now. Deal with it. And she's pouring tears. Her makeup's running all different colors. I'm telling you right now, she's, you need to know this before. I'm going, I know. And I'm, I don't have makeup. Except right now. And I'm pouring, and I'm pouring, and it's pouring out, and it's pouring out. You know, those kind of crying? Where you just, you're just like. All of a sudden, the phone starts ringing. I just was freed. I answered the phone. My mom's on the line. Were you watching, Jay? Were you watching TV? And I go, yeah. <laughs> Click. Ring, 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 ring. Another buddy. Are you answering the phone? 
Were you watching? <laughs> Click. I run over to my friend's house. He don't care. Knock on his door. He wasn't watching TV on. My life is back. And he's going, good job. Get in here. And we had a long talk. That was the last day, the last hour, the last minute of me ever, ever. No temptation, no desire, nothing to go back to the world. That point. And I thank God for that. So for two years, it's been a good run. I mean, <laughs> I had that in there. It's a little heavy right now. That was a long time ago. That was my first year. The point is, is it helped me understand the, the power of those voices and the timing of those voices. I'm getting into other scriptures that show stuff that we need to understand, but it literally comes down to truth about the enemy. He's not a lion that roars. I mean, he's not like a a powerful lion. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's Jesus. That's the statement about us believers that we are as bold as lions. That's, that's us. He's talk, that's talking about us. And what the enemy is, he, he's just a deceiver. He doesn't have the ability. He's been declawed. He's been detoothed. All he is, but it's fake. As a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I'm going to get into this deeper, but the point is, is he's only seeking something that can be found. And the only way you can found is when you're listening to what? Intoxicating messages. You're not all there right now, spiritually or emotionally. And he comes in and all of a sudden the thoughts you used to have aren't the thoughts you have now. That's why we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be awake, ready. And the reason why is because we do have an enemy out there, an adversary, and he hates you. And you can think that, you know, there, there might be some benefit to the enemy or, or his abilities. I'm telling you, no. Even demons he hates. He's pure hate. He doesn't have a clan up there who's like going, hey, these guys are cool. These guys grew up in my body, old man. He hates everybody. He hates everybody but himself. He could care less about them. Just as long as they're killing, stealing, and destroying, that's all he matters. But that's all he is. And God clarified him completely by saying, he's a liar. Not he lies. They use a Greek term that means his nature and who he is is a lie. He can't speak the truth. It, it's not that there's a choice. It's like God, and this is something you learn in theology, God can't lie. We want to say, well, no, God makes, no, he can't lie. God can't lie, which defines or creates him as God in the statement of God. He can't lie. He only speaks truth. He does, there's no option of, I will lie. That's it's a theological understanding of God. But it's the same way as Satan, the devil. He can't tell the truth. 
He has no ability. If he starts, this is what, it's like, you know, Chantal has black shoes on. He'd go, oh, yeah, you have black sneakers. See, he can't, he can't say what they are. He'll say black, start out in truth, but he, he can't. It's impossible to continue in truth. Impossible. So when he talks to you, he might say something that sounds like it's right, but I'm telling you right now, he's going to continue on. It's going to be a lie. It's going to be a fat lie or a skinny one. Fit for life lie. I don't know. <laughs> the point is, is we need to understand this and we need to understand this because 2021, I don't care what's going on out there. I care what's going on right here. That fact of him and me and these words, I mean, 2021 is going to be awesome, but I'm going to have to fight to the finish in every area that I want success. It ain't overnight success. I'm going to have to fight to the finish. You got issues in your marriage? Fight to the finish. You got issues in your kids? Fight to the finish. Issues in your job? Fight to the finish. We just look and recognize it's a battle. I'm going to keep fighting until the victory. I'm holding up the trophy. I won. Yo, I won. And guess what? Then you go to the other battle. You keep moving and keep fighting and we don't stop. Amen? We fight to the finish. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for this truth. And we also understand that we're not, we're, we're recognized responsibility to move with you according to your ways and your will. This is a journey. This is a process. This is a, a, a long marathon. It's not a sprint. This is life. It happens today, right now. Not later, not, not in the past, right now. So everything you do requires now, decision now. We might have made a bad one before this one, but it doesn't matter. Now matters, now. So Father, we thank you that right now we make a right decision to choose you, to hear your voice, hear voices that align with your voice, that want our success, that want our success in everything. Those are the voices we want to listen to. We want to tune into those ones. And the ones that get us drunk, we want to shut down. We want to move them out and not place them as priority in our lives. We give opportunity for change, but we're not going to allow them to have empowerment over our lives any longer. We're making that right choice. But this all starts with the first choice. And that is, it's Jesus, Lord and Savior of your life. Because if he isn't, none of this matters. What I said doesn't matter. You got to choose him to be in your life, and he's going to help you in this new life. But you got to get him in there first. And one good thing about Jesus is this. Once he come in, he's not leaving, period. He's not leaving. So if you're in here this morning, you never received Jesus, here's your choice to have him one way move in, and he's going to be with you forever. Out there, here's your opportunity. Pray this, speak these words out. And I'm telling you right now, he'll come in your life, don't wait for a feeling. Your confession, your words are going to produce the success of eternal life. So you got to say this with me. I want you to say after me what I say. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I therefore, from my heart, I speak to you. Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. I receive you. Oh, this is what I want.
Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my words. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to my life. I am now a part of your family. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray for the first time, raise your hand in here. If you pray for the first time, click your button out there. And we want, to we want you to know that once you click that button, once you raise your hand, we are believing nothing but great things for your life, success for your life. And we're not going to stop. We're going to make sure that we are a help in you fighting to the finish in life. Amen. Love you guys. Be blessed and have a great, awesome day today. Amen. See ya. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.